Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Barton, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. The Roost Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. Well, it wouldn't be a Rice football season without a quarterback failing to finish a game due to an injury, right? Uh, that's just that's just the way things go. Did I say on the podcast last week that I hadn't updated my QB chart in some time? I'm trying to remember if it was that or if it was on the, the Blue and Gray preview show. Yeah, I think it was on the podcast. So it's my fault. Clearly, Dang. yeah. It's... Dang it. <laughs> oh, man. Like, just not again. Right. Not again. <sighs> just. Ugh. And they, I don't know. There's, I don't even know where to begin with this one. Um, Can we start with JT? Because we said it, it, maybe last week or the week, I think it was the Houston, after the Houston game, that we were going to probably have to institute a wow, JT did this segment. And JT was in his bag. In this game, I mean, <laughs> finished finished with 432 yards, three touchdowns in three quarters of play. Yeah. Uh, anytime you've got 10.8 yards per attempt on 40 God. pass attempts, uh, you're you're doing something right. Um, and like, I don't know if this makes. I mean. It did not seem like this is a long-term injury, so maybe we can still do this to make ourselves feel better. But I think as of right now, he's uh, he's top ten in the country in total passing yards. He's top, I think he's top ten in touchdowns. Uh, he's like top, um, like did, top did twenty in QBR, I think. He and threw that's for the like ESPN a, QBR, but a buck fifty. And no touchdowns against Texas? Yeah, that's... No, he had one touchdown. Yeah, those counting stats are more or less over uh, over three games, because very little of that came against Texas. But yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, he's 22nd in the country in QBR with a 79.8. Um, just, just really good. Really good. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this is, I mean, we kind of prognosticated before the season. We're like, if JT Daniels is good, what does it mean for this Rice team? Man, he 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 delivered hands down. And this is not like an obituary. Maybe it kind of sounded like that. But <laughs> I guess uh, off the top, so uh, this is a shameless plug. Subscribe to The Roost on Patreon. Patreon. Patreon.com slash at The Roost. There will be an update on the quarterback situation and JT later in the week. I promise you that. At time of recording, I don't have anything worth sharing definitively one way or another, but there will be an update and you will get it nowhere else. So shameless plug, uh, get a free trial, 10 bucks a month. You get, <laughs> unfortunately, the latest and greatest Rice quarterback injury news, but you everything else with practice notes and whatnot. So... Hopefully, we'll find out more on JT from my, you know, naked eye. It it didn't appear to be like there wasn't no air cast on the field, rush him off on a cart, take him to the hospital kind of deal. 
So did not appear to be a season-ending injury. Uh, fingers crossed. I, as I said, I'll have more updates for you on that later. But for the time being, the rest of the quarterback position, let's talk A.J. Paget. Uh, in this game, he came in and from jump kind of looked a little flustered. Um, he missed a pass on like a, a crosser on third down that I'm like, oh, that one hurt and kind of yeah. like, shaked up the rhythm of the offense. But he settled in, ended up completing 70 percent of his passes, you know, let a touchdown drive at the end. Yeah, he was not JT, but I mean, he was he was fine. He was definitely not the reason that Rice did not win this football game. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a weird situation because, like, like, exactly like you said, once he settled in, he looked fine. And it's, you know, I guess if there's an upshot there, like, we continue to be bullish about the future of the quarterback position. Um, and, it, like, in most other circumstances, you would say, like, okay, well, your backup's pretty good. Like, you've, you've gotten that hit from him in a sale size before. You got it once he settled in in this game. Um, but... It just doesn't feel fair when your starting quarterback is a bona fide star. Right. And it also makes you uneasy when, like, the entire team has kind of been riding on said quarterback at this point, regardless. Like, I, I, like it's weird. Like, it, it, it felt like they could have, as much was going wrong on defense, like, they were winning the game when JT went out. And... They, they still had a shot at it if if he had not gotten hurt. So does this, like, if AJ has to play for a game or, or two games and he's pretty good, like, is pretty good enough? Are they at the point where they need stellar quarterback play in order to win games? Like, it's just... Well, I don't know. It's weird. I have I really have no idea how to feel at this point because you can't like regardless of how good your quarterbacks play, you can't continue to have um, in this game. We just have to rip the bandaid off and say it. One net rushing yard, one. Uno singular. Rice had four hundred and ninety-two yards of total offense in this game. Four hundred and ninety-one of them were passing yards. And one was a rushing yard. And yeah, that's great that you can continue to be effective on offense when you're entirely one-dimensional. But that one dimension is going to be a whole lot less effective in the short term uh, unless we get very good news this week about JT. So uh, yeah, they got to find something on the ground. Um, and the defense has to be better than it was on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, just... Sticking with the offense, that's the part I think that is most concerning to me is the fact that I, I'm, and we talked about this after the Texas Southern game. They were able to move the ball, but I was kind of holding up the caution flag. I said it on the podcast. I'm like, I don't believe it, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Like, I'm like, they did it, but I don't know. And now through four games, I, I really, I don't see it, man. I don't know what it is. I thought... The offensive line did pretty solid when it came to protecting JT a lot of the times. I thought JT just pulled a couple Houdinis. Like the play that he got hurt on, if you go back and watch it, like had to step back to avoid a rush, 
stepped over, had to avoid the end, stepped back up and made had to make a throw and then got hit. So like he he did some trickery, but O line, I don't know, not clicking on full full cylinders, all cylinders, full cylinders, whichever. <laughs> you know, we might get Clay Servant back. I think this week that's that's trending in the right direction. But offensive line question marks, lack of a running game. That's kind of what is the most concerning to me because if we look ahead at the schedule, I don't think ECU Rice's opening line Rice was favored against East Carolina, and that's without nobody in Vegas having a clue what's going on with the quarterback situation. And they play UConn, so there's Tulsa before UConn. Need to go look that up, but yeah. Anyhow, I it's say not it's a UConn first, but no, yeah. Like all of these, even if you have to be without JT yeah, for UConn. like three weeks, uh, which hopefully they don't if, for the next three games. Like hopefully that's not the case, but all of those are winnable games, and and you need to probably win what two of those to feel good about where you because after that is the murderer's row of. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe we'll see what happens with UTSA. Maybe by the time Rice plays yeah. them, Frank Harris will be back and there'll be a death machine again. But like right now, I guess I think you have to assume that the murderer's row of SMU Tul- uh, Tulane UTSA is going to be just that. And you've you got to be able to bank a couple of wins out of these next three because those are all very winnable games. And uh, if they don't have JT and can't run the ball, then all of those look very rough. Not very many points. Yeah, no. I mean, that's trusting, you know, whoever's a quarterback to play hero ball, which, you know, as I mean, I I feel pretty good. Like Luke McCaffrey's on the field. Like they're going to have some options. Like it's not going to be a total zero, but it's going to be a lot harder when you don't have a running game. But I want to kind of interrupt because I thought this was it was a good, interesting thought exercise for me in between. I don't know. I, I well. Two things. First, two more things on the offense, and then I'll segue us with something that kind of piqued my interest. Uh, Luke McCaffrey is a stud. We we kind of knew this, like, and coming in last year, we were just like, I think he's going to be a really good wide receiver. But man, has a catch a game where you're just like, that's amazing. Nine catches, 199 yards on 15 targets. Yeah, and 78 is, yards after the, the catch for us right now. And he's like, he's becoming a, a very good wide receiver. That's the funnest thing to watch is because you knew he was freakishly athletic. And if he caught the football in space, he could make some plays. But he's like his it's, body control and his, his route running. It's it's come so much further than it was last season. And like he's still that old coaching cliche, like, you know, you're better this game than the last game. But, but like I see it with. Luke and that's if there's a, a silver lining with the offense it's the fact that Luke is <laughs> yeah he I mean he's just this is the kind of conversation we had with him about him at at uh, like with regard to being a quarterback when he was when he was coming into the program like obviously that didn't pan out but the sort of things we were saying about his athleticism and his his just overall ability um, and yeah, there's now a step up in competition because this is not the conference they were in at that time, but he's just, uh, he is, I mean, he is Christian McCaffrey's brother. Like that's, uh, and yeah, that doesn't go <laughs> all the way through families, but like 
he's got that similar kind of juice, man. And like, it's, it's really amazing that he's gone from really never having played this position to just being on like being this level of player at that position after having played it for a year and a half is, is insane. Yeah. He's, he's phenomenal. The other thing that I noticed in this receiving core is I am raising a cautiously interested flag with Ross and McNeil. Uh, yep. That's what I was going to guess. Because I, uh, you know, six catches for 73 yards. The, the third leading receiver in the game after uh, for rice in the game after Dean Connors, but Dean's Dean 80 of Dean's 98 came on one long touchdown run, which is great. But like, Six catches for 73 yards with a long of 21 suggests that it tells you just right there in the stat line that that McNeil was involved throughout. Yeah, and, and you know, we said this year we were looking for who's going to be the number two, and I've, I think we've thrown out like five different guys that maybe it's this guy, maybe it's this guy. We don't know. We're, we're, we're just guessing. But, and we've had performances in the past by Rice receivers under this staff where you know, there's been big games like Braylon Walker's had a, a huge game in the past. And you just so many different guys said Patterson has had some big games. Uh, you know, Isaiah Esdale, some guys that just like, OK, like just have that boom blow up moment. But but it never really kind of felt in those that there were more than just their role, you know, right? Like they yeah. could be something more. And maybe that's revisionist history. Uh, you know, I, I, Esdale certainly he was always going to be that third slot guy. So maybe, I don't know, but, but, but when I was watching this with, with McNeil, he, he just looked so much more composed. He, he had a catch, the catch that he had for the touchdown. That is, was really impressive. It deserved like, I don't know if I, I and that was a nice ball by a one handed grab. Like he deserves pop tarts. Luke McCaffrey got pop tarts for his catch. <laughs> It, I'm just saying if if that had been the game winner or part of a, you know, 90 touchdown performance that you win, that's getting more hype. It was a great grab, but he had several like plays across the middle in traffic, his body positioning with, and how he was able to grab grab the football. I I saw traits in that game that looked like a X receiver in this offense that kind of reminded me of Bradley Rosner. Like people called oh, yeah. Ross and McNeil, baby Ross for a while. Now that, that moniker is not, you know, is prevalent. I did not that... realize the double entendre of that at this point, like oh, Ross and Ross. Uh, oh my God. I, I thought, I thought this was purely a fiscal comparison until literally just this moment, but yeah. Both. Wow. Both. And so I'm, I'm not, you know, crowning him yet, but you know, the question was, do we have somebody that can step up and be a guy? And I think, especially with McCaffrey on the field, that opens things up for the rest of the offense. I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic if if McNeil turns into a you know a poof of smoke and gets two targets for one catch and eight yards next week, then you know, we'll see. But I I think this could be a guy who gets six or seven targets a game and is able to be you know, a red zone threat and a guy you can look to on third down. And this offense desperately needs that. Well, and seeing 
seeing six for 73 from him and four for four. So 10 combined catches and 113 total yards from him and Landon Ransom. And Ransoms are are more concentrated onto one 31-yard catch. But seeing those guys have 10 catches between them is, I think, a very good sign. And you feel good about somewhere in the the axis of those two and Braylon Walker, it feels like there's at least the possibility that a decent sort of you at least get a number two receiver out of that. If you get two, if you get three legit receivers uh, out of them and Luke, then great. If you get four, even better, and you can make something out of that and and the consistent targets that Dean's been getting out of the backfield and, and Bowden Grun, but like that question is not answered yet, but it feels like we went, we went somewhere along the path to it. Yeah. I like, I, I think you can get, I don't, I, my, my, with Landon right, right now and Braylon right now, I don't think any of those are 10 target guys. Like no. I just don't, I don't think they can be with where they are in their development right now in this offense. I think Ross and McNeil can be a 10 target guy like he has the body type and just where he fits in the offense at the x position it makes sense it's whether or not he can do it and that's projecting a lot i'm not saying he's gonna get there but i i kind of saw him like okay i'm i'm kind of i'm open-minded yeah um the last thing i have to say on the offense i think is that if they are without jt at all and that includes next week um, my, you know, like if, if I'm in there in the offensive meeting room, I'm pounding the table for run the quarterback. Like you've got to, like, I don't care that this could lead like, okay, AJ gets hurt and you're down to your third quarterback. Well, one, he can run too. So you can, you can put in those concepts. You can, you mash that button even more, but two, they have to find something on the ground if they can't just rely on JT to chuck it 40 times a game. AJ looked pretty good as a passer, but he's not going to beat JT. And if you can't run block at all for your backs, then you might as well run the quarterback and even out the numbers. And AJ is at least a big kid who can hopefully take a little punishment without breaking. But yeah. kind of like I was saying before, like the, like the season is kind of on the line right now. Like you have to win some of these games that you're potentially going to be without him for. And it's it's time to pull out all the stops and do what you need to do to make points happen. And, and the best way I can think for them to maybe get something in the running game right now is run the quarterback. You teed me up perfectly. I, <laughs> I, I agree on the run the quarterback point. Like, that, that's just, that has to be a part of this offense. It has to be a big part of this offense if we're without JT for any amount of time. But. Let's do an exercise because I participated with some guys who were polling some guys that cover teams in the American and doing a power ranking kind of poll this week. And they had me rank every team in the American one through 14. And I submitted it in a ballot. Right. So I'll tell you who I did one, two and three. OK. And in some order, because I don't think it matters Tulane, Memphis and SMU. Yep. If we want to quibble about who is one and who is three. Fine. Like, I think all three of those have shown themselves to be among the top three in the conference. Okay. Now, here's where things get interesting. Who is number four? South Florida? I sat and I thought about this. 
for about 20 minutes. Has anyone else looked impressive? Aside from at times, rice. (laughs) For about 20 minutes, I said, okay, well, let me think about this. Who has won more than one game? (laughs) That's part of the prerequisite here. Like, sorry, sorry, UTSA, you don't count until, like, you win more than one football game, which was crazy. Uh, I submitted USF as my number four team in the American Conference. And I was like, okay, I, I feel so weird saying that. And then I went to five and I was just like, well, shoot, like Tulsa barely beat Northern Illinois. They have two wins. Temple has two wins, <laughs> but has been fine. Like Northern Illinois, else, by the way, uh, like is terrible. Yeah, they they lost to Southern Illinois. Uh, and and let it not be said that we disrespect the Salukis on this podcast, but like, uh, yeah, they're awful. Like, they're no, an FCS team. Yes. For the record. Yeah. It's not good. So like this pickings are slim. I put rice fifth in my ballot. <laughs> That's without knowing what that I submitted that on on Sunday morning, not not having had any conversations about what was going on quarterback. And I was like, OK. Like, that's the only thing that makes sense to me right now. I'm looking down the rest of this list. Like, I mean, like you've got a power five, you've got a power five win. You've got, um, South and, you know, for whatever that was last week, uh, for Alabama, like it wasn't all like USF's defense was salty in that game. Like it was not all just Alabama shooting. I thought the front was really good. It was a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Rice lucked out big time when um, um, Daquan Evans got hurt in this one because he was a terror. Yeah, um, I missed about a quarter and a half. I would have been fine if he was out for the rest of the game. <laughs> and then fine but, afterwards. But 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 yeah. So yeah, all of that to say, I just went through the list. I'm like, uh, UAB, no. ECU, no. Charlotte. No. No, Navy, no, North Texas, no, FAU, no. And I'm just going through the list and I'm like, and that's not to say that I'm just like all, you know, died in the wool. Yes, Rice, we got this, rah, rah. But I was just looking at the list. I'm like, you know, Rice at least has shown me something where they have, like the concept works. So I submitted my poll. I had those top three. I had USF four and I had Rice five. And I was like, I, sometimes I put Rice into a poll and I'm just like, I know, I'm just like, I'm closer. I I try not to be biased, but I feel like I might be higher. I might be lower. I kind of know. Got the pull back. USF four, Rice five. That sounds right. Like, so, and, and not to like, I I, like, I guess we can use that to transition to defense. Um, I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time pulling apart how I feel about this because on the one hand, uh, this offensive scheme is really hard to defend. Um, Alex Golish comes from Tennessee, where they were amazing last year, um, and they're running that same kind of stuff where they spread you out to the point where if you can't win your one-on-ones every time, then you're going to give up some huge plays. Like they only scored three points against Alabama. Simmons or Brown had a whole bunch of rushing yards in that one, um, but the reason they didn't really score against Alabama, aside from they were kind of going for broke and, and sometimes took some big risks that didn't pay off. But um, Alabama has two of the best corners in the country, and those guys just had their outside receivers on lock. There's just a talent differential there that 
that USF was not going to get those plays going. Um, against anyone else, they're going to hit some big ones. And they did some of that. And so some of it was that. And, and, and you know, on the one hand, you just kind of throw your hands up at that and be like, what, what are you going to do? But then they're also like the... I think it was the first touchdown run that USF had. They just like they there so were like there was four Rice defenders down. in the backfield before the back had broken the line of scrimmage, and there were like four missed tackles on that one. Like it was just it was just bad. It was off. Like the the that was not not great. So I don't know. Do you feel good? I or like no, no you can't feel good after that. But like. I guess is the silver lining that USF got what they were going to get in a lot of ways. And what they didn't just earn is at least correctable stuff from Rice. So first off, uh, Naeem Simmons in this game for South Florida uh, finished with 272 yards. On eight catches. On eight catches. uh, Just Ballpark, do you know where that ranks all time in American conference history? In American conference history? I'm going to guess first. It, it's second. <laughs> Who's number CJ, one? CJ Johnson from East Carolina uh, uh. did it against uh, Cincinnati in 2019. Uh, shout out to uh, Chuck Sullivan and the folks at the American conference for giving us copious notes. I very much appreciated Knowing, well, I don't know if I appreciated knowing that stat, but I was at least, <laughs> I felt informed. So there was that. So uh, first off the bat, um, you have to feel bad when you allow someone to finish top five in any metric against you that has gone on for, how long is this conference? Like going back to like Big East dissolution, like 20 plus years, something like that. I'd be yeah. losing track of my early aughts history. But yeah, so bad very very bad that's official statement on on that with that said i you know going into this game and doing my work and kind of studying up on byron brown went to kind of his tape from last year and some of the things i saw and i think he's a pretty good quarterback that was kind of my opinion coming into this game i I thought he was pretty darn flawless in this game, just through the air. I can think of like one pass in the fourth quarter where he overshot somebody in the end zone where I was just like, I was surprised that wasn't caught the way this day is going. But the rest of it, I he was so good. And I am willing to entertain the idea. We We had this discussion right when Rice played Texas. We said, well, if the Texas defense is that good, can we chalk this up to saying, yeah, you just got beat by somebody who's better. And I think we have enough proof of concept of USF so far to know the offense is good. I think there's also a lot of uncertainty as to how good this football team will be from what we saw in their games prior to even losing to Alabama. So I I don't, I don't know if we have an answer yet, but man, I, I thought that there was a portion of this where you just got, bamboozled and bull rushed oh is that check with the bulls yeah Um, (laughs) by an offense that just was better than you i think the frustrating part is man do they have one of these a year where just scheme or whatever it is 
it's just a no show. Because yeah. is this the Charlotte from last year? Did we get that out of the way in September? Hopefully. Where, where you just have a just complete implosion on the back end. And to be fair, I thought the I Charlotte, like, the Charlotte yeah, loss was so much worse. So, much so I'm worse. not equating yeah. these, but like the, this was a much one, a much better performance from rice overall, certainly by the offense and two, um, <laughs> they didn't give up nearly as many points. And also two, they, they gave up fewer points to a much better offense in this one. I think we can comfortably say so. Um, and yeah. if Tyson Flowers doesn't punch the ball out at the goal line, this could have been a lot worse. Yeah, true. Yeah, like, so, it, it, so I, it was just not good. The tackling was not good. I, 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 I didn't, there wasn't a good enough view of some of the stuff that was developing in the secondary to tell you for, for certain what the breakdown was or who was wrong. But at some point, mid, about midway through the third quarter, I'm just pulling my hair out and I'm just like, put four deep, play quarters, like do something different. And I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm just like, if they're always behind you, don't let them get behind you. That seems to be something that should be more fixable. And this defense has generally been pretty good. Like for all their struggles, they've done a pretty good job of not letting people behind them. I think this year and last year. They've gotten beat underneath and they've had some busts here and there, but they do a pretty good job of keeping the ball in front of them. And they didn't on Saturday. And that was a problem. So not good. Yeah. I, you want to talk the ground game? I thought for the most part, that touchdown run that we mentioned was horrendous. That was so bad, but for the most part, you look at the rest of the running game and they averaged, let's see, 41 carries, 162 yards. So that's exactly for a carry. Yeah. You, you know, with the exception of that 25 or 26 yard run. And then I thought they did a fantastic job containing Byron Brown, who is a very, very good rusher. And he didn't really, didn't really beat them too often with his legs. He had one big, long run uh, kind of up yeah, was up the well, side. They did. They did a great job containing Naquan Wright, who I believe is a Florida transfer. Um, yeah, um, fifteen for thirty-two. Byron Brown had fourteen carries for eighty-two yards, which, um, first off, five point nine yards a carry. If you take out the twenty-nine yard, the big one you're talking about, that's thirteen for fifty-three, which is like four yards a carry, which is manageable. And just to put this in context, Byron's rushing stats on the season. Against Western Kentucky in the first week, 25 for 160. Uh, didn't run, well, he had 17 carries for 23 yards against Florida A&M. Kind of an odd one, but I don't know. Um, 23 for 92 against Alabama. So this is actually his second lowest rushing total of the season. Wow. And he had a better average than he had against Alabama, for sure. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought they did a really, really good good job containing him. Yeah, all all things considered, you you'll take that uh, as as far as a running performance and, or and this a, is a performance against the run. But I want to circle right because the run defense was really solid, and then if you find another quarterback and receiver tandem that can expose you to this degree in the American conference, 
yeah, you're going to have some troubles. But as we talked about, like if I'm looking at kind of the, the roster of who's left, uh, like maybe the limp broken body of Frank Harris, like I wish him all the best, but we don't know. FAU has already lost the quarterback, yep. and, you know, like SMU, they got a good one. Uh, Tulane has a good one. So those are two that that can probably scare you. But the rest of the conference, you're not going to face a quarterback wide receiver tandem this good for the rest of the season. I feel pretty confident in saying that. Again, Tulane SMU b- would be the exception. But yeah. for the most part, and, and what's interesting, when I was watching this game, it was so, I mean, it was, I felt like it was second and 17 or second and 19 or third and 14 all the time. Yeah. Like there was so many negative plays. They just got bailed out with a 54 yard pass. And that's yeah, I mean, not Bryce a had good strategy. Three sacks and eight tackles for loss in this game. It was not like they weren't getting any disruption from the defense. Some pre-snap penalties by USF that put them back. So like it, it, it feels like, you know, Captain Obvious just stopped the 50 yard pass play. But I think that's not something that many offenses will be able to repeat consistently. Yeah. So. Uh, they won't they won't play that many offenses uh, and this scheme is relatively prevalent around around college football these days but there aren't a lot of teams that do it to the sheer degree that people from the josh heupel tree do um so both by scheme and by talent i don't think yeah like exactly what you said by by both scheme and talent there aren't a lot of uh, a lot of other teams in this conference that will do something like that to you. And just in terms of, you know, uh, I guess SMU and Tulane, you you will, I think you just are going to have to kind of take the results as they come and, and they will be what they are. I would be pretty disappointed if any of the other teams on Rice's schedule, and we can throw former AAC member UConn in there with these. Um, if they get a defensive performance this bad against any of those teams, that's uh, yeah, not what I get. Uh, Tulsa, Tulsa, UConn, ECU, FAU, no, no, Charlotte. There's probably I think there might be one I'm forgetting, but uh, if if you if you play that bad on defense against any of the, or look that bad on defense against any of those teams, that will be a disappointment. So as long as the offense can keep something going, then yeah, because that's what I think killed them against Houston is the offense right. ended up having so many missteps and drives and things that just didn't work out to the point where the defense got worn down. That's my chief concern now. Yeah. So I, I, I've gone talk myself off the ledge from complete panic mode to like, I'm concerned and I didn't like it, but I'm just, I'm, I just emotionally, I need USF to like win eight games this year. And like validate yeah, some yeah. of my like that would make me feel so much better if because that's the thing that stings about this. Like if if you replace the jersey and we just said USF was Memphis and and this happened against Memphis, you'd be like, man, that stinks. Yeah, but okay. Like, like it's oh, the they, fact that they, they were weren't... they were in it until until JT got hurt and they were right there and then he got hurt and you know you were playing a great offense and you just you know you couldn't keep pace after that. Like 
whatever, man, it happens. But yeah, it 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 feels a bit different against the South Florida team until hopefully until we have our current suspicion that they are actually pretty good be validated. Yeah, we'll see. And then the other thing that we haven't hit on yet is <sighs> special teams, man. This is the worst special teams performance we've seen from Rice in a while. Yeah. Over two on field goals. 33-yard average on punts. Uh, great. Just, it just, you don't win football games that way, man. Like, oh. th- there were some re- decent returns, but not- nothing special. Uh, just... It was just across the board. It was bad. And that was just at the point where it kind of started that snowball effect. It was the third and fourth quarter when, you know, JT yeah. gets down and you're in your punting and you have like a 27 yard punt. And I'm just like. Man, just like and it might not it honestly and let's not heap this on special teams to blame. It might not have mattered the way that the defense was going and right. USF was throwing like maybe it's a 60 yard bomb instead of, you know, a 53 yard bomb like who it, it might not have been the difference but man it was discouraging so i'm i am hopeful that it's out of the system i think you know tim horm's been solid so far and and connor hunt i mean they, no one yeah. is going to confuse him for jack fox but he's been fine he's been solid so yeah no i think both guys to this point you at this point you chalk those up as outlier games for them also, I did not. It did not click that they are both. Rice has got to be the only team in the country that has both a punter and a kicker from Hawaii, aside from probably Hawaii. You know, it's probably a short list, and they Connor Hunt or Connor Hunt, Connor Hunt, of course, is who we're talking about. Dean Connors is from Hawaii, and I think there's there might be a fourth Hawaiian on the roster. I think Rice has a higher count of Hawaiians than like some oddly more expected like schools. Like, I think they have like two, they have more Hawaiians than people from Arkansas. They have two Arkansas <laughs> guys, like DJ Arkansas and uh, uh, is it Christian Francisco, who they have one more. I'm trying to think. But yeah, like, that's just, right. That's just weird. Bizarre. <laughs> yeah. So there's your Hawaiian rice stat of the week. I know I'll have some Hawaiians that they're, they're very proud of their Hawaiian heritage. I'm sure we'll get a, a shout out for that. So, yeah, I mean. That's what it was, man. I. I don't really think we can sugarcoat it. It kind of felt like a gut punch, but there is more season, thankfully, to be played. And man, I am super glad that it is not Tulane this coming weekend. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, like this team needs a team that, and I, I, yeah, I think I mentioned earlier, Rice is favored right now. And that feels pretty good. Yep. I would, I would like them to, to win. Please. Yeah, please validate that. Um, this just felt like one of the, like, hopefully this doesn't just be one of those games that's, you know, it's college football. That that one sucked. Um, oh, well, on to next week. Um, and, and hopefully this doesn't have to be the harbinger of anything, anything considerably worse. Hopefully we're not looking back on, uh, back on this one in six or seven weeks saying, yep, that was where the season turned. Um so, yeah, anything else on this one? 
go beat the pirates. Yeah, please. At home. And hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, what I got. I, I can't emotionally take more, please. No, same. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully uh, on the rebound. So we'll see y'all then and rise tight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.